Uh, we have Pastors Mel and Heather Mullen uh, here today, and they founded Home Church, which was originally called, and Pastor Mel mentioned that last night, we had a meeting here, originally called the People's Church, later was called the Word of Life Church. That was in 1972. Home Church now is an ever-growing multi-site unit, or multi-site church, with over 100 locations, I believe it's 127 locations all around the world, and many more on the horizon. And uh, Mel and Heather are very active in ministry. I've never seen uh, two people, you know, in in their, you know, in, in the prime of their life, going for it like, uh, you know, like they do. They're just they're just amazing people, just great people, uh, great models. Um, and at home, they serve, continue to serve the mission and the vision of Home Church Canada under the directions of of, of their leaders, Pastor Pastors Jacob and Becca. Uh, their son and their daughter-in-law and the leadership team. They also travel extensively, given oversight to home church locations in many nations. They know that in God's great plan, and I like this statement here, every local church should grow and impact the community. And they are committed to inspiring and equipping local churches just like us today to do that. Amen? Besides everything they do in ministry together, Pastor Mel is a well-known author and the founder of an incredible business movement and home church called Success Builders. And we have that ministry right here. And so uh, we're going to talk maybe more about that in the weeks to come, where he brings together professional business people from all over and teaches the principles of business in faith. Pastor Heather, don't want to leave her out. What an incredible woman has paved the way for women in the ministry. She's an innovative creator of the One in a Million Women's Conferences worldwide. And it leads. And she also leads the Canada 365 prayer movement. She is loved by so many and a legend in, in the faith. Amen? I love that. So could you welcome them? God bless you. Come for it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a joy to be with you this morning. And you know, I've been part of this church for many, many years. I remember a number of years ago, uh, your pastor uh, contacted us and he said, I need a pastor, so will you be my pastor? So we are in regular contact with each other. I am so proud of them. Any pastor, let me tell you something. Any pastor that brought their church through a pandemic to success. Somebody shout hallelujah. You need to thank God for your pastors who brought you through that traumatic time. And here you are. I walk in this morning. The church is healthy. The church has such a wonderful sense of the presence of the Lord and the people come with joy and and happiness. And they're glad to be in church. And, and you can feel well-being with the people all over the place. And this is really today, I've just named this a new start, a brand new start for City Light. And uh, last night I had the privilege of, I think there were about 32 that were here that took the training on the one-to-one. And it's training on how to lead a person to Christ. And then I encourage everyone to go through a a re-foundation of your life. Because everybody needs to know salvation. What's salvation? The water baptism. What actually happened to you when you got water baptized? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to renew that in your life. A devotional life where you have a relationship with God on a daily basis. Um, the whole subject of, of praise and worship. 
and, and a lot of people are coming into our church that come from kind of traditional backgrounds where they don't understand uh, praise and worship. The Lordship of, of Jesus, which is so important because Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's our Lord. And finally, it caps off with the Lesson 7 on the church. What is the church, which is the theme that your pastor is preaching on in the next few weeks. And I'm so glad to be here. And then my book, Experience. This book, to give you a little story, it took me uh, 10 years to write it. And I would go and write it, and then I would come home, and I'd go and write it and come home. And then I hired a professional writer to work with me for 18 months. And we went to work and put a manual that is now being used in Bible colleges and, and places. And it has in it the stories of 18 different individuals who found Christ and their lives are radically, supernaturally, wonderfully changed. And it's everything I know about the church in one book. And uh, really, the Bible is about two things. It's about Jesus, and it's about the church. So let's, uh, I, I invite you, in fact, I encourage you, you got a special deal. You can get this, buy this today, get the one-to-one. -one. Everyone buy, get, get the book, and then get the one-to-one -one discipleship manual. And, and buy the two of them for $25 and, and then go through it as a family. <clears throat> and then while your pastor is preaching on the whole subject of the church, you will just find in the next 31 days a tremendous renewal of your life and a new commitment to Jesus and a new commitment to his church. So I'm not just here selling books. I'll tell you, I would, I'd like to see everybody get uh, a, a new understanding of who Jesus is and what the church is as you start your journey of faith again. Because that's exactly where we're at as a church. We're at the start of a new era and we're starting our, our, our faith again after this traumatic uh, time that we've been through. And so thank you and thank you for coming this morning to be with us. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to ask Heather to come and pray before I speak. Heather, come on. Isn't she beautiful? Come on. Yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lord, we're so thankful for your blessings upon our life. And Lord, today, as we hear the word of God, we're just asking you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and minister to every one of us. And Lord, whatever we need to hear, we pray, Lord Jesus, that your presence would be here with us and that we would know and be able to understand where you're taking us, Lord. And we're ready to go with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. The prophet was awakened, Zechariah chapter 4, and verse 2. And the Lord asked him the question, What do you see? Because there's a principle that teaches this, that what you see is what you will be. Remember the story of the blind man and Jesus prayed for him and he got partial sight. And a lot of people have a lot of partial sight. And then Jesus prayed for him again and he saw what he was to see. And a lot of people are kind of partially blinded regarding spiritual matters. And so the Lord asks you the question, what do you see? Because what you see is what you will be. And so the Lord said, what do you see? And the Lord showed him a picture. And he had a picture. I want the picture there. And he said, I see two trees. We'll describe it to you. I see two trees. They're olive trees. And the olives are dripping with oil. And there's, 
there's golden pipes that are flowing down with the oil into the candlestick. And what do you see? Well, this is a picture of two prophets by the name of Haggai and Zechariah. Now, the background of the story is this. Zechariah, the prophet, I should say uh, Zerubbabel and Ezra came to, came to Jerusalem to restore the temple and rebuild the temple. And they started building and they laid the foundation for the temple. And then the enemy came and stopped the work of God. And for 14 to 18 years, the work of God lay dormant while the people built their houses up on the top of the hills. And so the Lord sent Haggai and the prophet Zechariah back. And the two trees, go back to the picture, keep the picture right on there. One is Haggai and one is Zechariah. And he sent them back to prophesy to the people of God and say, it is time to build the house of the Lord. And they argued with him, it is not time. But they kept on prophesying and prophesying and prophesying until the people began to run up to the hills and get the stones and get the wood and bring it down. And they rebuilt the house of the Lord, which God said would be greater than the former house. By the way, God is about ready to do some things that are going to be bigger, better, greater than ever in the history of the Christian church. And so Haggai the prophet and Zechariah came and, and it speaks about this. Uh, the tree speaks about ministry. The oil flowing from the olive berries speaks about the anointing. And then the golden pipes speak about structure. And all of these things are necessary because the intention of it all is to build the church, put it on fire and light it up so all people will see the city light. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> And this church will become the light of the world or the light of Jesus into the community of, 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 of Lethbridge. A number of years ago, I had the privilege, Heather and I had the privilege of taking 28 wonderful adults. And we went to Jerusalem. And I want to see, flip up the picture there. We went to Jerusalem. We arrived in, in Jerusalem. And, of course, we went to Bethlehem in the first place. We went and dipped in the, in, in the Dead Sea. We went to Masada. We went to the Jordan River. And some people got baptized. We went to put our feet into the, into the waters in, in, the, in the Sea of Galilee. We went to Capernaum and saw where Jesus did the first sentence, we, first sermon. Uh, we went to Cana of Galilee where Jesus turned the water into wine. We went to Nazareth where, where Jesus was raised. And finally we come up, we follow along the highway right up to northern Israel. And there we come to, uh, right along the borders of Lebanon, we come to this place that Jesus took his disciples there just about three or four weeks just before he was about to be crucified. He took them to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, I want you to get the picture. Jesus is standing there on the rock, on this very rock. The, the disciples are looking up at the backdrop on the rock, and on the backdrop of the rock are the gods of the Greeks. This was a place where the Greeks came to worship for 400 to 600 years. And Jesus is standing there, and he's at, and then also beside that, you can go back to the next picture and then come back. There was the temple of Pan, and the temple, the god Pan was, was the Greek god, the nourisher of life. And so Jesus is standing on the rock. Now, listen, the backdrop of this is there had been great controversy of who is 
Jesus. Some believed that he was the son of God. Some believed that he was just a prophet. Some believed Nicodemus said, you're a man sent from God. Everybody has a different opinion about who Jesus is. The controversy was so great and so demonstrative. With the, They actually planned to crucify or take Jesus and destroy him because of who he said he was. He said, I am God. They said, you are not. He said, I, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I'm Jehovah. They said, you are not. He said, I'm the son of God. He said, they are not. And they devised a plan to crucify him. And so Jesus takes his disciples 200 miles north and positions them right here. And they're standing right there. And he's standing on the rock. They're looking at the gods and they're seeing the temple of Pan. And he asks them the question because he wants to establish in them who he is before he is crucified. He asked them the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am is? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're Elijah raised from the dead. Some say everybody has a different opinion about who Jesus is. Even in our society today, people think, well, he's a good man. I was uh, talking to a religious man from another religion. He said, well, he's a great philosopher. And a lot of good things that came out of Christianity and came out of Buddhism, they're much the same. But, uh, you know, he's just a good man. Who who do you say that I am? And that was the question that Jesus looked at his disciples. And he said, well, they say this, but who do you say that I am? Which is the foundation of Christianity? Who do you say that I am? And Peter stood there and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Because this is really the foundation of who we are as a city life church. We are here because Jesus is the Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. He's the son of the living God. And he's the foundation of our total life and being. He's standing there. They're looking up. And he asked them the question. After Peter makes this statement, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, Jesus says, you receive this not by flesh and blood, but by revelation. And upon this rock or upon this foundation of who you believe and know Jesus is, I will build my church. Which brings us to the question, what is the church? And there's so much confusion in the world regarding what is the church? Why are you here this morning? Is the church just a building? Is it just a people? Somebody said, it's the people of God. Of course, it's the people of God. But Moses established this whole principle of church when he was wandering with with the children of Israel from the wilderness. Because the church in the wilderness, and it's known in the Old Testament and also referred to in the book of Acts chapter 7, the story of, of, of Stephen as he talks about the church in the wilderness. What was the church in the wilderness? Let me give it to you. It was number one, the called out people. Will you say it with me? The called out people. Because Moses took the rod and and pointed it over the nation of Egypt. Egypt brought the judgments and he delivered the children of Israel. And they came out of Egypt delivered by the power of the blood. Somebody shout hallelujah. And they partook of the of, of the first elements and they walked out of Egypt saved by the power of God and the scripture says that not a, a person was feeble among them 
They were saved. Somebody shout saved. Remember the day that Jesus delivered you from your sins and brought you out of bondage into his glorious life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Remember that day. You see, the people of uh, the church is the people of God. It is the called out people of God. But it's more than that. It is the gathered people of God. Because the people, when they gathered out there, if you can imagine it, three and a half million people out there in the wilderness with all their animals and their possessions and their tents and their children and their, the, 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 everything they own and, and what they'd even brought out of Egypt. Come on, amen. And there they out as a gather. They were a crowd of three and a half million people. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. How many of you thank God you're part of the crowd? Come on, amen. You're God's gathered people. That's what we're hearing and doing this morning. That's why I believe so much in the gathered people. I thank God for Zoom Church. And those of you that are on Zoom Church, thank God that this church has extended its influence to you. But I'm going to tell you something. Come out of Zoom Church and go to church. Come on, amen. And be a part. As the scriptures, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you day, as you, as you see the day approaching. The importance of gathering and just being here, rubbing shoulder to shoulder and, and shaking hands and being part of the family of God. We're the gathered people of God. God called us out and he gathered us together. But we are more than that. We are the assembled people of God. Because when Moses brought them out of Egypt and they went through the Red Sea, they came to Sinai and received the word of God or the direction on how to live. And then after getting the direction, which is, by the way, the role of the church, tell you how to live. How many of you know there's just a lot of people that are just mixed up? Come on, amen. And the Bible teaches us, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord's house. And there he will teach us how to, how to live and how to walk. Come on, in his, walk in his ways. Amen. That's what church is all about, is to straighten out your stinking thinking. Come on, and give you a new mind. Come on, and give you a new understanding for your life and your future. That's what church is all about, to prepare you for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and bring you back on Sunday, and there send you out again. Come on, amen. Because we are the called out, and we're the gathered, and we're the assembled. Well, when you talk about being the assembled, there are five pictures of the church in the book of Ephesians. First of all, we are the building. Would you say it with me? Building. And the building is, this is a building, but you're the building. Come on, thank God for the building. Oh, I thank God in the middle of winter for every building. Come on, amen. But you're the building. And we come together positioned on the foundation of Jesus the rock and Jesus the cornerstone to whom we align ourselves. And the scripture says, you are the living stones. Come on, amen. He just chipped off the old stuff off the old block. Come on, amen. And fitted you into the program of God and aligned you with your leaders. Come on, amen. And God himself is your covering. We are the building of God. But we are number two. We're the body of Christ. And the body of Christ speaks about the relationships that you have. Church is not just a place where you go and you look at the back of somebody's head. You actually have a relationship with one another. Come on, amen. In fact, read the Bible. It's about one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. Forgive one another, love one another, exhort one another, build one another up. It's about the relationship that produces life. And that's why you have to have the right connections in your local church. 
because the hand is connected to the arm. And in the hand and the arm, there are the ligaments and the joints and the relationships. And as the hand moves against the arm, life is created in the body. Come on, amen. And we have life. Come on, amen. A number of years ago, I was traveling, of course, traveled to many nations. And I would ask the same question. Where do you get your relationship with God? How much of your relationship with God is actually just between you and God reading the Bible and prayer every day? And what percentage of your relationship with God is actually through the church or through your relationships with one another? I asked this question in Japan. I asked it in Africa. I asked it in Asia. I asked it in every country I went. Would you like to know the answer? Well, only two of you want to know the answer. <laughs> and it was consistent everywhere I went. They said 60% of my relationship with God is actually through my local church. Because you come here and you get a word from God. Somebody shout hallelujah. You go to your small group and you get a word from the Lord in your small group. Come on, amen. You come and you receive from the Lord. And then God speaks to you through the word and through prayer. Amen. And all of a sudden you find yourself in this amazing relationship with God. Because you're connected with God through his church. And God designed that you be, it works like this, you and me. And the closer we get to one another, the closer we get to God. So we are the building. Number two, we are the body. Number three, we are the family. And we come to the family through two things. Number one, through born again. We get born again into the family, but then we got adopted into the family. And many of you, you came from someplace, you moved from somewhere, but I'm going to just tell you something. Pastor Doug and his beautiful wife and myself and Heather, we're just adopting you into City Life family. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And you're part of the family of God. You belong here. This is your church. You take ownership of your church. Come on, amen. And you become the family of God. It's so important that you, that you don't just be a visitor or an attender, but this is your home. Come on, amen. I remember I would, people would, when I was pastoring back a number of years ago, and these people would walk out the door, and, and I would say, they would say, uh, oh, so glad, I would say, so glad to have you in church this morning. And they would say, it was wonderful. One lady, she said to me, she said, uh, Pastor, your, your church is such a wonderful church. And I said, yes. And she said, and Pastor, you're such a wonderful pastor. And I said, yes, of course. <laughs> your, but she said, your church. And I said to her, just a minute, just a moment for just a moment. Could we change the language around just a little bit? And would you say, my church? Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And my pastor. And take some pride and, and have some dignity. Come on, amen. And establish yourself because we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we've got some dignity, honor, and respect because we are the people of God. Remember years ago, going and preaching throughout Great Britain. And I go from city to city to city. And the Brits back in those days, there's a certain pride. It's about the Brits. You saw it at the, at the funeral of the great queen who served her nation so well. And they, they have a certain dignity and pride about who they are. 
And they would sing, we're the people of God. Um, and it went on, saved by his blood. And it went on. And the Brits, they would stand there and it would look. I would see those men that had, had a little bit too much to eat. Come on, amen. And their shirts were just about ready to bust. Come on, amen. Because they were singing, we are the people of God. And say it with me. We are. Come on, say it again. We are the people of God. Redeemed by his blood. We're the building. Say it with me. Building. We're the body. We're the family. We're the bride. Which has to do with the beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. And then finally, we are the army of the Lord. The soldier. All those five pictures are, in, are found in the book of Ephesians. Say it with me. Building. Body. Family. Bride soldier army of the Lord and when you're in trouble I'm in trouble because I'm in the trouble with you come on amen and I'm standing with you to war against the principalities and powers that are trying to take you out and we're going to win the, in the battles of life as we stand and we are the church which brings us to the kind of I'm try, trying to Heather says you're, you preach too long and somebody said amen well, she says, amen. Every sermon I go, well, you just were just a little bit too long today. <laughs> good to have a good wife. Come on, amen, Doug. Does she treat you like that too? No. Well, I don't believe it. Anyway, okay. The importance of the church. Why is the church so important? Because the Bible teaches us very clearly that the house of the Lord is the most important place on earth. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, in the last days, and how many believe that could be so, the last day, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established at the top of the hills. And NLT says, the most important place on earth. Let me ask you the question. Where can you get your soul saved? Come on, amen. Your mind renewed. Your marriage fixed. Come on, amen. Where can you get your children raised with the right principles of the word of God? Where can you go that is better than God's great church? Come on, amen. Where can you go where you get hatched, matched, and dispatched? The church. And yet so many people get separated from some offense in relationship with your church. But you just got to say, it doesn't matter. I'm in the church for life. Come on. I'm committed. No matter what happens, pandemic, trouble, anything, I'm in the church. Come on. Amen. I'm committed to my pastor and I'm committed to my church. The most important place on earth. And they will say, come to the banker. Come to the businessman. Come to the person associated. Come to the person in the healthcare department. Come to the person in the hall. Come, come, come. Let us go to the mountain of the Lord's house. And there Pastor Doug will teach us his ways, God's ways, and we will walk in his paths. Because church is really about walk and ways. How to walk, how to live, and the way, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. How important is your church? Because it'll keep you on the track. 
And I watch people that depart from the church. All of a sudden, they get down on another path. They fall in the ditch. Things aren't good, and their family goes astray, and everything comes apart, and everything just just separates. And and, and you watch people that don't make keep a commitment to God's great church. Come on, amen. And see their their life just uh, uh, you know just 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 separate and become a a disgrace. Oftentimes. The most important place on earth. But secondly, the center of life. The center of life. Story of the children of Israel. And we started with the question, what do you see? See, I just want to want to get any twisted thinking out of your thoughts or your minds or your sight. What do you see? You got to see. You got to see the ministry. Oh, go back to that first picture. You got to see the ministry. You got to see the anointing. Somebody shout hallelujah. You got to see the structure because the, the church is a structure. If you look at all those five pictures, the, the building, the structure, the body, a structure, the family, a structure. Don't tell me the family isn't a structure because when you, you married your wife, she walked up the aisle and as she walked up the aisle, she said, I'll alter him. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Don't tell me the, the family isn't a structure. Don't tell me. Come on. Amen. That the army of the Lord isn't a structure. God established structure and systems. Come on. Amen. And administration and order. Come on. Amen. And out there in the wilderness, God's people under Moses were a structure and a system going towards the promised land. And as long as they would stay in faith, they could go into what God had for their lives and their future. And so they would wake up. I'm winding down, Heather. How am I doing? How am I doing, Pastor? Got another five minutes? I got five. Who'll give me five? Five. Who'll give me five? Ten. Ten. Oh. So they would wake up, the called out, say with me, called out, gathered, assembled, and they were assembled in systems and tribes, 12 tribes and 12 systems and heads of heads of systems and heads of order. Come on, amen. Three, three, three tribes on one side, on the other side, three tribes, another three tribes, and another three tribes on that side. And they were all ordered in a system of thousands, fifties, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Talk about small groups and order and leadership. Come on, amen. And when Moses spoke, the word just got out to the ball, and they followed in the ways of God as long as they stayed in faith. And they would wake up in the morning. And what did they see? Remember the first? My first question was, what do you see? Say it with me. What do you see? They would wake up. Is this west or east? This is west. Is this west right here? Is that working? That's west. They would wake up in the morning in the west. Dad would flip open the tent. They would walk out. And what did they see? The tabernacle. Moses, the cloud and the pillar of cloud. And the glory of the Lord centered. And in the north, they would wake up. And they would flip open the tent. And the, the man would walk out with his. And what did they see? 
They saw the pillar of cloud, the glory of God. And Moses and the sacrificial offerings and the incense and the smell of the, the sacrifice. And on the east, they would flip open the tent. And what do they see? And on the south, they would open the tent. And what did they see? They saw the church. They saw the presence of God. And what do you see? Well, I see my family. Well, I see my trouble. Well, I see. I see all the things that I'm... Oh, God! What do you see? See the church. The greatest entity on earth. The center of life. And you come here... And just like if you study the, and walk through the streets of the ancient cities of Europe, there you will see the great cathedral center right on the center of the, of the city, staged next to the parliament buildings or the government, government buildings. And they saw the church was the center of life. And in most North American cities, the church has become a tag on, an add on, something that we sometimes go to. We accommodate it. And we've got to put back Jesus. Somebody said Jesus. We've got to give Jesus his place and his, pl and his house, his church, which is the center of life. Well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you do it by making Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, Jesus... Come into my heart. Come into my life. Save me. Deliver me from my bondage, my affliction. Just like the children of Israel that were in bondage to Pharaoh and bondage to an Egyptian system that was robbing them of everything that they had and leading them into poverty. And they got delivered by the rod of, of Moses and through the blood that they, was sprinkled on the doorposts and on the lintels, and they walked out freed, delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. You know, I encourage every one of you, go to the Jesus movie, Jesus Revolution movie, because our church, home church, Red Deer, was actually started in that particular era, and about five or six years later, this church was started. actually had its origins, origins in that move of God. Thousands of young people got delivered from their addictions, their afflictions, their satanic worship. They're there, they're there. And Jesus saved them. That's how this church actually got started. And I'll tell you, there's another revival on. Somebody shout out. There's another. Come on, hallelujah. There's another revival on. And it's a revival of repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. That's what it is. By the way, it's right in my discipleship manual you got to have it talks about it right in my book which you got to have how do you get started make Jesus the Lord of your life number two get baptized as soon as you can and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit get filled with the Holy Spirit 
and let God give you a prayer language because that will open a whole new door into the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, healings and miracles, and all kinds of things. First Corinthians chapter 12. And the Holy Spirit will just come inside of you and fill you up. And all of a sudden, you'll start moving in another dimension of Christian life. It's called the life of the Holy Spirit. But it starts by making Jesus the Lord. Opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit. And then join. Everybody said join. Don't just attend. Join. Remember the story of Acts chapter 9. Saul is on the road to Damascus. He's going to persecute the Christians. And God knocks him down with a light. He falls ground. He falls to the ground. He's blinded. And three days later, Ananias comes in, lays hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. He starts preaching the same day. He got over the wall of Damascus with a, in a basket and went to, to the uh, disciples or the, the apostles. And they didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We want to let this guy in. I don't know. Is this the guy that persecuted the church? And Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples, and he joined. He tried to join. They wouldn't let him in. Like in the early days of the church. You want to know why home church got started 30, 51 years ago? Because there was a revival that took place. And, uh, and we, Heather and I ended up there for 30 days. And we said, what church would you like to have all these hippies? And none of them. Come on. That's a true story. But I'm going to tell you about this church and your pastor. He's got an open door to everyone. Come on, amen. No matter your background, your history, what you've been through, what hurt has happened to you, what has happened to you in your relationships in life, this church is for you. And here you're going to find love, forgiveness, and everything, the grace of God, everything you need for your life as you start a new future. Today. 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 It's like in the book of Hebrews, he said, today is the day of your salvation. Not tomorrow, today. And some of you have just got to make a decision. This is my day. This is the day. And some of you that have kind of wandered away, maybe you wandered back to church, but you think, oh, I should go back to church. But today is the day when you make another commitment. And you say, today is my day. I'm going to get back into God's plan. There's two kinds of individuals here that need to respond to this altar call, and that is this. Those that need to accept Christ, maybe even for the first time, and say, today's my day. I'm going to invite Christ into my life. Who's going to do that? I'm going to count three. One, two, three. Just hold up your hand. Today's my day. Yeah, okay. Now, who's here? You say, well, today's my day. I need to get back to church, back to life, back to another commitment. I've had my failures, my mistakes. I wanted, but today's my day. Who will do that? Three, two, one. Put your hand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody, take your hand like this. And I want you to pray this prayer for you and say this for everybody. Jesus, today is my day. I'm starting a new life in God's great church. Jesus, wash away the past. Oh, the Lord is speaking to me about so many people that have little hurts. 
Wash away the hurts. Wash away the disappointments. Wash away, pray this prayer, wash away everything that has hindered me. Jesus, today's my day. Thank you for coming into my heart and into my life in a new way. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. You are the Lord of this great church. Thank you for coming into my life today. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Now just breathe in. Some of you just need to breathe in. It's like that song, breathe in. Just breathe in the forgiveness of God. Breathe in the grace of God. Breathe in the goodness of God. Just breathe it in. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Breathe in. Breathe it in. Just breathe it in. Just, Lord, I just receive everything that you have for me today. Thank you. And now just say, thank you. Thank you. 